All right, we are jumping into part three of our series, This Is Love. Very excited about this series. I think it's something that if we, if we actually do this, this can really make a huge change. This is the biblical answer to the problems of the world is the love of God, God's love for us, us reciprocating that love to God, loving others, loving each other, and just letting that spread over the world. So let's do some recap. We've been covering Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This is the greatest commandment according to Jesus. So let's read through that. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. I know I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I like to know what the answer is, you know, and uh, this is Jesus giving a bottom line teaching. So Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this is such an important thing. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Just an incredible statement by Jesus there in Matthew 22. So by way of recap, there's three important points that you need to know about love. First one, love is a foundational and indispensable part of Christianity. We must not dismiss love as unattainable or as fairy tale religion. Now, in our culture, uh, we use the word love in a different way than the Bible uses the word love. You know, I think oftentimes in our culture, the word love really means lust or desire, things like that. Uh, love in the Bible is a much deeper, more powerful thing. And it's the way God loves us and we are to love others that way. So as we go through this, understand the depth and the power of the word love as it's used in the scriptures. But we can't dismiss love as unattainable or as fairy tale religion. Point number two is something will always be missing and broken without love. If you don't know the love of God for you, if you don't participate in this, if you're not growing in your love of others, there's things about the gospel and about the word of God. You're just not going to understand. You're not going to get it because love is the foundation of it. So something will always be missing and broken without love. And then the third thing, seek to be made complete in love. There's a peace missing in us emotionally, spiritually without the love of God. It's a process you know, to get to the place where we truly believe in the love God has for us. It's a process, but you can get there. You can be a new creation led by the Holy Spirit, led through the love of God. Very important stuff. Last time we talked about God's love. Of course, that's foundational, understanding the love God has for you. And in fact, that's where the title of this series comes from, from 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 where it says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he did something. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. That was last week. If you weren't able to watch last week, you weren't with us, you can get caught up online. Very much encourage you to do so. Today, we're going to talk about loving your neighbor, love thy neighbor, vitally important thing. So what would it be like if everyone on the planet loved their neighbor as themselves? What would that be like? Let's paint the picture. So you go out your door in the morning, you're going to face the day and everyone you meet is a friend. Everyone you meet is trying to help you out. Everyone you meet cares about you and is encouraging. When you make a mistake, they say, oh, you'll get them next time. Uh, when you do something well, they're cheering for you and encouraging you. If you need some help, they're willing to help. And your heart is the same for everyone you meet as their heart is for you. That everyone is loving one another just helping each other out. Wouldn't that be amazing? What a simple concept. Love thy neighbor. But if actually put into practice something that is amazing and profound and would create such a beautiful, beautiful world. I just have a, a funny story I want to tell. And uh, I was out playing a little disc golf with the family. You know, we're starting to play disc golf. That's kind of fun. We're out playing disc golf. And afterwards, we were hungry. So we're going through the drive-through uh, at a fast food restaurant, getting some food. And a guy in a pickup truck with a gooseneck trailer pulls through the drive-through. So didn't pick up any food, but drove around the other car's with a big gooseneck trailer. If you've been in a drive-thru, imagine you have, there's just not a whole lot of space. And so I saw the guy coming. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm in the way. And so I scooched all the way over because there was a big line and, and got kind of off to the side so he could make the turn and that sort of thing. And uh, my first thought was, what are you doing with the gooseneck trailer in the... <laughs> In the drive-thru. But then I thought, you know what? I'm studying the love of God. And this is one of those perfect situations. You know, if, if you love your neighbor, what are you going to do in a situation like that? Well, just scooch over, help a guy out. You know, don't complain that somebody's pulling a gooseneck through the drive-thru. Just pull over, help a guy out. And that's the sort of thing that this world would be full of. Just you know, somebody needing a little help, you just help them out. Maybe they made a mistake and ended up in a place that they didn't mean to be, you know, painted themselves into a corner. I know I've done that and needed somebody to help me out just a little bit. And I'm sure you've done that. Need somebody to help you out rather than get angry with you or make fun of you. If they just helped you out, wouldn't that be nice? Let's do that for each other. And that's just a, a fun little story of what loving your neighbor would do. It would end road rage completely. Love your neighbor would be the solution to road rage. Loving your neighbor is a cool thing, but I believe every Christian, I'm pretty confident in this, every Christian that is old enough to be self-aware has heard that we are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Pretty sure they've heard that. But in my personal experience, I don't necessarily see people doing that. I don't see it coming to pass. Why is that? Well, people know the truth, but they like to make exceptions. You know, love your neighbor. Okay, I got it, but not bad drivers. 
Not loving bad drivers, especially if I'm in a hurry. I'm not going to love bad drivers. You know, uh, people want to make exceptions. They make exceptions for people with political differences. You know, well, yeah, I love your neighbor, but not those people that think that. I'm not loving them. You know, or they make uh, exceptions for people with religious differences. Oftentimes, close by religious differences even, you know, you get a, a church split or a denominational split. And then those groups, they have trouble loving each other. People with cultural differences, you know, socioeconomic differences and uh, you know, even sports differences, differences of opinion on fairly irrelevant things. Like people will know they're supposed to love their neighbor, but they definitely want to make exceptions and say, but not that one, not that person, not this type, not this group. I will love my neighbor, of course, except not this big bunch of people. And they feel justified in it. And it's a big, big problem because love your neighbor is the broadest category of people. We're to love all the people of the world, not the people that are similar to us, just like us, the people who love us. It's we're to love our neighbor. That's the general people out there, strangers, people we don't know, people who are different from us. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, and we'll get a picture of how this works. So Jesus here is talking, he's teaching, and someone asks him a question, and we get into that greatest commandment and the second commandment, which this guy has studied apparently, he's heard Jesus speak before, and uh, then something funny happens. So Luke 10 25 through 29 is the setup for this parable that's coming. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He can hear a flavor there. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? All right. Who is my neighbor? What an ugly loophole seeking legalistic technicality kind of question is that? And who is my neighbor? You know, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but I want to make sure that I'm able to categorize people outside of neighbor, categorize people in a different category besides neighbor. But the idea is that we are to love humanity, the people of the world, those who are out there. So we're to love our neighbor. And this question, and who is my neighbor? He's wanting to justify his not loving people by making sure that we have a super technical legalistic definition of the word neighbor so that people can be left out of it. That is just an ugly way of being. And so Jesus responds. What does Jesus have to say about that? Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, so that's a day's wage, so two days' wage, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is, of course, an iconic section of scripture, the story of the good Samaritan. It is a reply to a legalistic religious person who is trying to hate people, but still uh, follow the commands of God by uh, hyper-defining the word neighbor. So we all know what that means, love people. Yet, this guy was trying to hyper-define it so that he could legalistically hate certain people and love other people. Now, this is a powerful section, and I don't want you to miss the jab. So Samaritans were not well-liked people in Jewish culture of that day. So a Samaritan would certainly be someone that this expert in the law would have not wanted to include in the neighbor category. It would have been somebody on the outside. So that's very important. So if Jesus is coming to you to explain to you how to love people and you've got a problem with loving people. He would use an example of someone that you traditionally would not love. Someone of varying political beliefs, someone who is very different from you, someone who is a bad driver and in your way, that that would be the person who did the right thing. But the priests and the Levites were the ones that failed in Jesus parable here. So What do we learn from this parable of the good Samaritan? We see the jab, but now what is Jesus trying to say? Let's look at three uh, characteristics of love, how we are to love our neighbor from the parable of the good Samaritan. Number one, love notices and engages. So the priests and the Levites, so the priests, that'd be people like me, the, uh, the, the ones that the teachers, the experts in the law, those types of people for today's culture. Uh, and then the Levites would be kind of like the worship team and people like that. So those people, the professional people of faith went by on the other side and didn't help. They failed. They did not love their neighbor. They noticed, but they avoided love, both notices and engages. So you can't be all about your own priorities and your own problems in order to have room in your heart to love other people, to love your neighbor. You have to have some room to go help people. If you're only worrying about yourself, your priorities, your problems, you're not going to notice. And even if you do, you're not going to have the time or the overflow in your heart to engage. So love notices and engages. Point number two, 
Love goes out of its way. So this Samaritan went out of his way, helped this guy, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, you know, took care of him till the next day. So love goes out of its way. And I've got a personal story that's kind of fun with this one. One of our individuals in church, you know, trying to do right, trying to hear the still small voice of God. And he was driving down I-35 and saw somebody in the other lane, you know, going the other direction with a flat tire. And in a bit of a bad spot to a place where there's traffic and it wasn't a good spot. So he just thought, oh, I need to go help them. And he decided to obey that still small voice. And he had to exit, get back on, go in the other way, and then go help these people. And when he got there, this was somebody on our softball team. And he got there and it was some other people from our softball team. And one of them was my son. It was my son's car with the flat tire. And this guy from church went to go help him. Didn't know who it was. Didn't have any idea, but got there. And it was my son who had a flat tire. uh, And this guy helped out, you know, had a better lug wrench and got it all taken care of. And he just was so happy to have, you know, obeyed that still small voice and loved his neighbor. And of course, for me, it was fantastic. You know, somebody went and helped out my kid. That's a good deal. That's the sort of thing that loving your neighbor and going out of your way will do. And so I'm thankful to be the recipient through my oldest son of that. And uh, you know who you are. Thank you for helping out. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for listening to that still small voice because love goes out of its way. You didn't know it was somebody that you knew, but you helped out anyway. That's loving your neighbor. That's an example of this. What the good Samaritan did went out of his way. So first two principles, again, what we learn from the good Samaritan, love notices and engages. Love goes out of its way. And the third one, love follows through. Love follows through. This is something that I noticed in going through the Good Samaritan this time that I really hadn't focused on before. And that is that the Good Samaritan has somewhere he's got to go. He's got to be somewhere. So he has to leave. So he says to the innkeeper, look, here's some money. Take care of him. I'll come back when I get some more time. Right now I got to go. I'll come back and I'll make sure to reimburse you for any extra expense. The Good Samaritan follows through. There's an indication, you know, of course, this is a parable. Jesus is telling a story. These aren't actual people. Uh, He's just telling a story to make a point. But it's interesting that Jesus would include in there that the good Samaritan had to go somewhere and he couldn't just stay with that guy this whole time. He's got to go, but he'll come back. He's making sure to follow through, making sure that everything gets taken care of. So love follows through. We see three principles from the parable of the sower. Love notices and engages. Love goes out of its way and love follows through. So love thy neighbor is a powerful, powerful thing. And it's a bit of a paradox. When, uh, when we talk about marriage, I like to talk about the marriage paradox. I'll even talk about the church paradox. But let me give the love thy neighbor paradox. And it's simply this. If you 
love your neighbor more than other people love you. If you go out of your way, if you notice and engage, if you follow through, you're giving more than you take. You're giving more to society. You're giving more to this world than what you're taking. But if everybody did that, if everybody gave more than they take, if everybody was to look at their neighbor, to look at just the random person in society and help them out when it worked out, if everybody gave more than they took, then what an incredible world this would be. This would be the most beautiful, wonderful place to live if everyone gave more than they took with love. This paradox doesn't work if only a few people do it. If everybody does it, then what an incredible, incredible world. That's what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be where love thy neighbor is perfectly uh, engaged in, that everyone is doing that. That's going to be heaven. And we can have a slice of that if we love our neighbor in this life. But of course, there are challenges with that. There are problems with that. And if you have to give more than you take with regards to loving people, it can be a challenge. You know, I've been in the church business for a long time, and I've noticed that some people's love lasts a long time, and some people's love is short-lived. You know, some people are produce. It's like buying bananas. You know, they're only going to be good for a week. Uh, you have bananas till the 4th of July. It's not going to be so good, but some people are like a can of baked beans. You know, you buy a can of baked beans. You want to eat them on the 4th of July. They're going to be just fine. You put it in the shelf. You just wait 4th of July. They're good to go. So there's a shelf life on certain people with regards to the love they have for others. Some people, the shelf life is long. Some people, the shelf life is short and I've tried to figure out, how do you know? How do you know if your shelf life is long or short? What's the predictive piece there? And so, you know, I was seeking that out and praying about that. And here's what I came up with. So I think it's the difference between focusing on your expectations of others versus focusing on your responsibility to other people. So are you focusing primarily on your expectations of others or on your responsibility to others. When I was going through the parable of the Good Samaritan, if you thought to yourself, yeah, you know what? People should go out of their way for me. They should help me out when I'm down. Then you're primarily thinking about your expectations of other people. But if while we were reading that parable, if you were thinking, I think I can notice and engage, I can go out of my way, I can follow through, I think I can do that, I'm going to do that, then you're thinking about your responsibility to others. So if you are thinking about your responsibility to others, your love is going to last because it's not based on what they do, it's based on your heart for them. However, if you're thinking about what other people should do for you, your expectations of other people, then when they let you down, your love is going to shift. And if your expectations are unrealistic, of course, then your love is going to be short-lived everywhere you go. You don't want to be where you're thinking about the expectations of other people. 
You don't want to be spiritually needy operating in a spiritual deficit where you need other people to do things and you're always thinking about your expectations of other people. Instead, you want to be operating out of a spiritual surplus so that you can love other people and you can think about your responsibility to other people. Let me tell you, the key to that is abiding in the vine, is staying connected with Jesus. Because when we walk with Jesus, he is the one that fills us up. If you expect other people to do for you what only God can do for you, your expectations of other people will always be disappointing. You'll always be frustrated because they won't be able to come through. God can come through. So seek those things from God. Then you'll be filled up and you'll be able to think about your responsibility to other people. Now, I love to dream. I'm a big dreamer. And I just think, What if we actually did the love your neighbor thing? What if that spread throughout the United States and spread throughout the world and people started loving their neighbor on unprecedented levels? Wouldn't that be beautiful? But there's a certain reality in this life. It's something that's discussed in the scriptures. You know, the kingdom of God in heaven is going to be defined by, it's going to be uh, typical of love thy neighbor. But here on earth, you know, we're, we're never going to get there. We're not going to get to the place where every single human being on the planet gives more than they take. And the love thy neighbor thing is actually happening. And Jesus acknowledges this in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, Jesus talks with a parable called the parable of the weeds or the parable of the wheat and the tares. So let's read this and try to get an understanding of it. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. He replied, the servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So in today's world, we've got good people and bad people. In the church, we've got good people and bad people. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. There's these good people and bad people kind of mixed together. And so we know there are going to be individuals who are not going to love their neighbor. Now, don't be that person. But how do we do that? Because if we're going to love other people and have soft hearts for other people, then that can put us in a position to be taken advantage of. So we don't want to be gullible and naive, but we want to love our neighbor at the same time. So how do we balance that? Well, Jesus has the answer for that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Sending out the 12 in Matthew chapter 10, giving them instructions on how to do this, how to go out into this dark world and be representatives of Christ. And this is one of the things he says, Matthew 10, verse 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes 
and as innocent as doves, sending you out like sheep among wolves. You're going out, but there's going to be some difficult people that you're going to have to deal with. So be as shrewd as snakes, be aware, be wise, understand, protect yourself, have proper boundaries, all that sort of thing, but be innocent as doves. So you can be shrewd and innocent. You can be aware and not be manipulated, not be taken advantage of, but also be innocent. Man, you absolutely don't want to get that backwards. You know what I mean? You don't want to be as innocent as a snake and as shrewd as a dove. That would be just an absolute disaster. So don't get that backwards. Be as innocent as a dove, as shrewd as a snake, because in this life, we are going to face difficult situations. We are going to face just some people that are hard to deal with. So we want to be shrewd and innocent so that we can love our neighbors and not get taken advantage of. So how important is love thy neighbor? At the beginning, we read that Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on the two commandments of love God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. So how important is love your neighbor? It's wildly important. It is hugely important. It is profoundly important. So we need to, again, not dismiss love your neighbor as unattainable or as fairy tale religion. Oh, cutesy stuff. Yeah, you know, religious people say goofy things like that. Nobody can do it anyway, and it's never going to happen. Don't go into that fairy tale religion thing and, and just dismissing this vitally important concept of love your neighbor. Christian people need to be world leaders in loving their neighbor. And we haven't been doing a real great job about that. I mean, there's a whole lot of great Christian people, but there's some noisy ones that are causing problems and, and giving us a bad name. But we need to be world leaders in loving our neighbors, noticing, taking action, following through. And this is very, very important. If you think I'm out of line in encouraging you and showing you that you need to love your neighbor, then, man, you got a long ways to go to understand the things of God. Go back to being loved by God. Understand how much God loves you. That will change your heart so that you can then love others. If you're having trouble with love thy neighbor, focus on what God has done for you. That'll help you change your heart. I want to close with Joshua 24 verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua had to say. You got to choose. You got to figure out if it seems like too much trouble to love your neighbor, you know, then you got to figure that out. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. So, not everybody's going to get on board with love your neighbor. How about you and me? How about we do that? You and me, we'll, we'll start with us. Love your neighbor. As for me and my house, as for you and me, let's love our neighbor. Amen? Let's take that step. We're going to take some time now and pray. If you've got a prayer need, you can email us, prayer at goodhope.ag, and we will pray for you. The prayer team checks those on a daily basis. Prayer at goodhope.ag. 
get some prayer, but let's pray together right now about our capacity to love others, our capacity to love our neighbor, to love the stranger, to love the person who is just out there that we don't really know, to love those who are different from us, love the people of society, love the people of this world. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know your word says we are to love you and we are to love our neighbor. Lord, we do love you. You are so good. What you've done for us is, is so magnificent and so beyond anything we could possibly deserve that we are humbled by what you've done. Lord, help us to love others like you have loved us, to love our neighbor, to extend that love to this world. Lord, help us to overcome our petty irritation with bad drivers, our petty irritation of people with political differences, our petty irritation with all kinds of people who are different from us. But Lord, let us put your word into practice. Let us live in your ways and love our neighbor. Lord, help us to focus on the responsibility we have as followers of you to love others rather than to focus on the expectations we have of other people. And Lord, let us trust that more and more people will do that. And that that beautiful, beautiful thing of people loving one another will come to pass more and more. So Lord, bless us, encourage us, and help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.